0: making mistakes, taking risks, failing, finding out, oh, that didn't work, let's try something else. That's how, you know, you work creatively and that's how the best minds work.
1: Welcome to History Through Fiction, the podcast. I'm your host, Colin mustful and today I am delighted to be joined by Elon Barney Hama, author of the novel Escape Route.
0: It's if I was writing an autobiography, I'd either call it like slow learner or late bloomer or something like that in that category. Uh, but you can't make up for lost time. All you can do is is, is move forward.
1: Elon Barnehama is a writing and literature professor whose writing has appeared in Rough Cut Press, Red Fez, Boston Accent, Jewish Fiction, Drunk Monkeys, Writer's Digest, HuffPost, The New York Journal of Books, Public Radio, and elsewhere. He is a New Yorker by geography and a Mets fan by default. Today, I'll be talking to him about his second novel, Escape Route, which is set in New York City during the late 1960s. I want to start talking about Zach, the main character in your novel *Escape Route*. Um, I'm curious to know more about him, but really, I want to know: is any part of him autobiographical?
0: I, you know, I am, it's definitely biographical. I would say um, a lot of the incidents happened to me or friends, but I, I wouldn't say it's autobiographical. You know, as, as uh, the, the silly distinction there is simply that it, it's, it's not uh, verbatim. Um, you know, the family was a little different uh, in terms of. Um, uh, you know, I didn't know my grandfather, for instance, who was a the character there. So a, some of it's a combination, uh, but it, it's, I did grow up in New York in, you know, around the same age, around the same time. I uh, was definitely a Mets fan in 60, before and after 69, uh, Miracle Mets and all that. So, yeah, so it's it's a lot based on my, my growing up and my family history.
1: Well, I want to, I after reading the first chapter, you bring up, um, Bob Dylan and his music and that kind of inspires um Zach and mm-hmm. as a Minnesotan myself I guess I'm curious to know more about Zach's connection to music and um, Bob Dylan himself how did how did he inspire not just your character but people at that time to to fight for change
0: Yeah I mean Dylan was a was a big influence um you know uh for me and and uh, um, Phil Oaks and Tom Paxton, that whole sort of folk uh, singer-songwriter. And, you know, I went to Forest Hills High School where Simon and Garfunkel went, and that was my first album. But Dylan was really – those first six, seven Dylan albums, I mean, he still has a wonderful career. Um, But him and his lifestyle in the village and just his sort of um, putting putting interpretation on the reader, on the listener – not the reader, but – on the listener, uh, in a lot of his interviews back then. I mean, I just really liked that that he kind of left it for people to do the work. You know, he, he didn't want to be that that same kind of leader. Say like, um I don't know, maybe John Lennon did or, or someone. But he was, you know. But the writing was, and and for me, it was the writing, the the lyrics of those um five six albums that he put out in the late in the early in the late sixties or during the sixties was just just changed how I looked at songs and songwriting and literature. Um, but music um, was so powerful then. I mean, you had the radio and you didn't have cable TV or, you know, um, all the different ways that we have now. And I, I'm, I'm a big and big fan of what we, you know, the, the egalitarian way that the, the Internet can be used. But it was it was so important to hear and share music. And, and growing up in the city at the time, we went to concerts like all the time. They weren't very expensive. Um and so music just played played such a, a role in shaping us. Uh, a friend of mine said, "If the music wasn't that good, we all would have ended up as surgeons because we would have studied more."
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too deep, but I, I am really curious about Zach's belief that the US, U.S. might round up and incarcerate Jews. Now, obviously, he, he you know he, that happened in his own family um, in the Holocaust. But then it it makes me think about the U.S. has been responsible for such things with native boarding schools, with Japanese in World War II. Um, Was that a real fear among Jews at the time?
0: It it was. I was I was lucky that my parents were real optimists and maybe because um, they had they had landed in in, uh, different separately. Their family landed in the Middle East and and they helped uh, start Israel. So they felt very positive about things. And, And so I didn't have it myself, but I, there were many families. There was even whole communities, um, where the focus was on raising more Jews to replace those Jews. And there was a lot of feeling that being here was temporary. You just didn't know how long you could, you know, Jews would be welcome. Um, you know, there there were ships turned away from here and there there was this sense that if something like that could happen once, why, why couldn't it happen again? and it was interesting, because most of the people, most of the kids, my age that I heard it from, if I rather than overhearing from uh, older people, say it at, at, at places, but it, their families were less affected by the Holocaust. you know, they were like third generation American Jews. Um, so I heard it more from them, which was interesting than, than people who literally survived somehow in Europe in, in the many ways that, that I met people who did. But yeah, it was it was definitely something there. And I feel like, unfortunately, there's a feeling about that being unwelcome these days as well.
1: Well, actually, I wanted to ask you more about that because we, you know, we do see things like this continuing to happen throughout the world today. And do you think that such things, such draconian, draconian actions, are still possible here in the U.S.? Do you think we'll ever get beyond that kind of fear that leads us to take actions like that?
0: I. I... I'm concerned, you know, with so much of, of uh, July Fourth, um, not just the, the shootings that happened this past July Fourth, but even just here in Boston, uh, in Boston, the there were Proud Boys showing up, marching around, uh, you know, um, coming in these U-Hauls around different cities around the country, and uh, there there is this sense of whose country this is instead of everybody's, who's you know a shared belief, um, and so it's it's. I think we're in the balance in the next few years. Now, certainly in November, um, you know, we're we're in the balance of, of who who gets to decide if the people get to decide elections or legislatures. And I think there's there is a sense of a a concentration of power that does make me nervous. So, uh, that's the, that's the mildest way I can put it. It makes me nervous. <laughs> well,
1: let's talk about your your novel then, and and how you can bring some of this history to life and remind us what we're going through is, it has happened before. And it's something that we need to recognize. I think Um, talk about your characters and how you instill them, you know, how you, how you humanize them and bring history to, to life through them.
0: Well, yeah, I think uh, for me, a lot of um, his history, isn't just the leaders, you know, and we all kind of grow up in history and, 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 you know, sort of a in in good ways and bad ways, depending on where you're born, what zip code you're in, if, if you're born into if, if you're born today in Ukraine, and that's going to be, you know, change how the next 10 years of your life are, no matter what. Um, so, yeah, we all grow up kind of like in the middle of history and we participate and it's not just the leaders. And so I kind of wanted to show what happens away from the limelight, you know, what the Vietnam veterans were doing, what what. Um, the, the grandfather in this story, you know, who tells Zach um, that you have to listen to other people's stories, you know, not just Jewish stories, Native American stories, the ones you just mentioned, uh, the, the Japanese being interned here in the U.S. and, and things like that. Um, so they're, they're keeping stories alive. Um, I, I didn't I didn't plan on it because I started writing this a while ago. But, you know, somebody this is pre roll Wade and and one of the characters, you know, gets pregnant, doesn't want to keep it. And what she has to do on her own. Um, I, I think a lot of these things, um, it's, it's easy to dismiss them and think everything is, you know, to p- push things away and, and and just look ahead. But you kind of have to look at what has happened um, to, to know where you're going as well. Um, so, so I do want the characters to be human. I want it to be their personal stories. And I want to show like sort of where they are in the flow of history.
1: And Zach has um, quite a sense of humor. Was that um, kind of a, your own humor style that you put into him?
0: I, I, I think so. I mean, I, 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 like to hope so. I, uh, as a teacher, you know, I can tell if the students are awake, if they groan, if it's a bad joke, you know <laughs> um, I, I joke with my students is quantity over quality, but I, I do, I, I did work hard on, on, on the humor, you know, condensing it, getting the timing and, and, um, I do hope that comes across. So, so yes, thanks.
1: I want to ask you about generational trauma. That's another topic that's brought up in this novel. How do you confront it in this story?
0: I, I think it's easy. Um, I think it, it, trauma can get passed down in, 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 in different ways. I mean, we, we, we know about cycles of, violence and and i think also cycles of trauma can be kind of passed down and i think it's um that is one of the one of the things to escape from i i i'm hoping um comes across i mean um zach is looking for escape route as you mentioned you know for in case the u.s decides to round up its jews but uh, on the other hand he's making a mistake by kind of escaping his childhood but but i do want him and his grandfather i hope i think and his sister help him to try and avoid that that same sort of being traumatized can also can lead you to non-action. So um, it's more important you want to break that cycle of trauma so that you can continue to act and move forward, um, not just politically, but artistically, you know, however you choose um, without letting the tr- trauma sort of steal steal your time and steal your life. You know, when one of the characters tells Zach that, you know, you're, his best friend Jonah kind of tells him a bunch of times, we're just kids. We can't do anything about it. Can we just enjoy high school for a couple of minutes? Um, and and instead of being um, sort of frozen by trauma. So um, it, it, it takes a lot of work and it, it's, it takes a group effort to kind of like overcome it, I think. So that's hopefully comes across where, where their, their friendship and their bonds are, are one of the ways to overcome that trauma.
1: Do you think that's some of the ways you got through that, that period in your life was through connections with family and friends and other people experiencing the same, um, I guess, chaos, for lack of a better word.
0: Yeah. Um, so the, the, definitely the, 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 the father in the book has polio my father did get polio i did grow up with the father with polio um in a wheelchair and he, he wasn't bitter about it and you know he, he he moved forward but um i have a group of friends and we've been friends since a couple of the seven or eight um i call them chosen family my kids call them uncle and aunt and they consider their kids cousins and so you know i think community is a, is 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 a wonderful thing um it, it's not easy to form and hold on to community for a long time. I've, I've been lucky that way. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm unique that way, but I think, yeah, community can really help, um, do that. Um, and, and support you and, and sort of, you know, just keep, keep you going.
1: Let's talk about your background as a writer. Um, you mentioned that you, you decided to focus your, at one point a few years ago, you decided to focus the best of your time and energy on your writing. Can you talk about that decision and what led you to it?
0: Yeah. So I, I've been teaching for a long time and um, I was also, uh, and so, you know, I was I was helping other students learn to write. I, I, I worked with at-risk youth. I, I did magazines and newspapers with them and, you know, I realized that a lot of this came at at, at I don't want to say at the expense because i love doing it but you know i was neglecting um my my own work and so i left full-time teaching and i just decided to you know kind of you know you get a seat at the table you push all the chips in and you just i just decided that um i would spend a lot more time um that that would be my main focus is, is getting these stories out and um it's, if I was writing an autobiography, I'd either call it like slow learner or late bloomer or something like that in that category. Uh, but you can't make up for lost time. All you can do is, is is move forward. So, yeah, there was a decision there to sort of not worry about you know IRAs and all this stuff and just just go for it. And uh, it's it's been a it's been a fun ride. Um, I, I'm not going to say I'm overly successful in terms of you know movie made and blockbuster books, but I've published a bunch and I've written a lot more and, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the direction and what, and the choice. Well,
1: I think that's absolutely wonderful to, to hear you say those things and make that choice. Can you be uh, more specific maybe about some of the challenges that you faced along the way to, to succeeding, becoming a published author? Um, have you had any regrets maybe, or times of doubt?
0: Um, times of doubt. Sure. I mean, as, 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 as we all know, you know, you get more rejections than successes, um, you know, whether, you know, even successful people in business fail more often than they, they succeed. But certainly in the, you know, you could wallpaper rooms with the rejection letters. Well, we don't, emails from magazines and journals and things, but, um, the, the challenges have been being, you know, a little more isolated, um, late later and 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 the finances get to be a little bit of a challenge but um and a lot of i'm i'm older than a lot of you know it's like a um you can't just join a, a group of uh thirty year olds at at a coffee shop in brooklyn for instance you know it, it it seems to not always be the case but so finding that kind of writing community i i i found one it was just a little more work when you as you get older. I'm in fact I'm writing in my new novel um focuses on someone who does something like that at the age of fifty and one of his friends. So like can you says to him, Can you even make new friends at fifty? Yeah, when you're over fifty. <laughs> um so there are there are some of those challenges. People are more set in their ways, but um all of it is all of it has been I I've, I've taken it all um as, as as with with sort of good humor. Um, and, and like I said, I still have this group of friends from forever and even, even when I've been on a different coast than them, um, they still, you know, you have that support, but, um, yeah, no regrets. Um, it, the usual, I don't think I have any more ups and downs than anybody else necessarily. So, uh, I think it's, it's just trying something different is always going to have, uh, its own unique set of challenges.
1: Sure, well, congratulations. It's just just stepping outside of your comfort zone, and um you're definitely sharing some important stories with with the world.
0: Well, thanks, thank you. uh
1: well, you mentioned that you're working on another novel. Um, can you tell us more about it?
0: yeah, so the the main character um and and it you know like any novel, it's in flux, and the story the characters end up leading the story, but basically, Starts out with the main character runs the Boston Marathon in 2013 and finishes 20 minutes ahead of the bombs going off. Um, and and that's not, that that's, m- most decisions we make, it, it seems like that aha moment, but it's really things lead up to, and then you have a decision. So he decides at that point to quit teaching, um, he teaches high school at the time, um, again, somewhat biographical, but not autobiographical, and he decides to, hop in the car and go to the West Coast um and and leave his he's been a New Yorker his whole life um with a with a good group of friends and 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 so it's can you erase your past and start fresh with a clean slate and 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 sort of um and see where that leads. That's that's sort of the arc of the book at this point. Um and I'm also working on a, a nonfiction book. I've written some essays and um and that's kind of a Friend of mine who grew up you know, with not a lot of means, not not not, um, you know, he grew up I'd say comfortable, but you know, four, three kids with sharing two bedrooms kind of thing, um, and ended up being you know pretty wildly successful, part owner of the Charlotte Hornets, and he did this all while um, just being a great boss and just doing good for other. He he always said, oh, he just. Just want to make money but i mean he had a he had a a competitor who had a heart attack and he sent his kid to go run the guy's business while he was in the hospital um he ended up buying the sh- share a small share of the charlotte hornets because he was trying to help his friend who had to sell it raised get a get a higher price and no one had bid so he said okay i'll bid and this way someone will outbid me and you'll get more money and nobody else bid so i ended up and and that was like a great adventure so i just He's had a great adventure and a lot of great fun and done so many good things for so many people while being successful. And It makes for a fun story, so I'm writing kind of his his uh, business view and biography a little bit at the same time.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine what that would feel like, to put a bid in for a professional sports team Yeah, and uh, realize that you have to...
0: It's a small it. percentage, but it was... I mean, it's more money than I have, but... It's, you know, um, Michael Jordan at the time owned 80% of it. And he was thinking Michael Jordan would outbid him, uh, you know, just to get one less owner, you know, kind of thing. There's like 12 people who own like, anyway, and he just he got to be good friends with some of the people there. And even when he sold it later and, and things, but um, yeah. And it, it, it turned out to be a lot of fun for him. He's a lifelong Knicks fan. So, so that was a challenge. <laughs> um, Long Knicks ticket holder so yeah this is more of a a, you know fun story but also a kind of like a business his own business thoughts and stuff and uh, being successful but also doing good at the same time
1: Well, I do want to go back and ask you a little bit more about the novel you're working on and I don't know where I read this but you you it's it's focused on the idea that we become an overly risk averse as a society, as a culture, and as a globe. Can you talk more about what you mean by that?
0: Yeah. Um, so I I've, I've taught college uh, years ago. I taught high school and coached high school, and uh, I think especially in in our early grades, we we just don't let ta- kids take risk. Um, we penalize the slightest mistake. Uh, the internet is ruthless about this. You say one word wrong, and and I I think you know, making mistakes, taking risks, failing, finding out, Oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. That's how, you know, you work creatively and that's how the best minds work. That, that's how, um, that, that's how we get innovation. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, when I, when I teach writing, I tell them, my students, you know, this is colleges, this is where you want to fail in in the sense of you want to use the correct principles and, try them out and see what works for you and if it fails well you can eliminate that you know in your writing style and your uh, presentations and i just think we 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 don't give anybody you know the slightest leeway to make a mistake so that everyone is so fearful and they can't take chances and really i th- i think all the all the very interesting things are when people take chances and fail and learn from those and then move to the and then fix it and and that's where where you know just these wonderful things um in art and literature but also in engineering and science and um you know scientific method is all about trial and error um if if we didn't if if, if scientists didn't take any chances we wouldn't have vaccines and and such so yeah
1: yeah it's definitely an important lesson I like what you said that this is where you want to fail it's it's kind of a hard concept to to accept but it's true
0: yeah and they come from high schools where they were you know i don't want to make a blanket statement about high schools in general but k-12 through 12 where you don't have a lot of leeway to to make those mistakes and because if you do then you're not going to get into the ap classes and then you're not going to get into the, the elite schools or you know if that's what the goals are and so rather than having these students come in with that attitude of of really you know um uh, trying to be as innovative and and, and they have people who are trying to, you know, fit, fit the goals, you know, ahead of time. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to ask you about what it's like to be a New Yorker or what, what, how would you describe being a New Yorker? Because it seems like it's an important element, not just geographically, but culturally of your novel, of your characters, um, of the, the next book you're working on, um, maybe for yourself too. Can you, as someone who grew up in the midwest uh, can you tell me what that means to be a new yorker
0: mm, yeah I, I i mean i do think it's it's i i've lived outside of new york more than i have inside but i still consider in new york but i i consider myself a new yorker um I, this isn't a real answer to your to, to what you said but i still can't root for boston teams when i'm in boston having grown up in new york but yeah i i i like I like New York enough that I that I, I hope I made it a character in the book to some degree. That um, that the, the place, the setting, um, you know, is, uh, um, is is part of the book and its character. I think people are awfully friendly here. They 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 get right to even if you have a, like a twenty second conversation with somebody, they'll actually say something meaningful. Um, and and a lot of places, it's just sort of um, said pa- in passing. There's no real uh, connection made. Um, I think I, I like the pace of New York, um, especially, you know, in Manhattan and, and, and sort of that energy that, that you get from that that uh, amazing pace. And I've also lived in the Berkshires for, for a couple of dozen years in, in western Massachusetts. So I've, you know, I've lived in the opposite of New York, too, and I like that there are obviously benefits. But in terms of urban living, um, I, I just think it's a wonderful place with the kind of energy that really leads to creativity and and action and um you just get i get energized when i come when i come here like i said i'm visiting now and and just um walking walking the streets is is walking from one place to another you you just get such a i get such a good vibe i i know not everyone feels the same way about new york (laughs) but i did want it to be a character because i think it gets it gets to that idea of um um just really kind of Going for it, accepting different people—just uh, so so many people can be so different in the same, within inches of each other—and um, and and that's very uh, inspiring and, and and energizing.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I was in New York a few months ago, and this is probably my fifth time visiting. And yeah, it's just incredible to to be there in the middle of it all like that. Um, you are a, a Mets fan, as you say in your your bio. Um, the Mets yes. are doing pretty good this year. Are you
0: hopeful? <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful. We're, we're, we're most most of us Mets fans. The same group of guys. We actually went to Mets fantasy baseball camp years back together. <laughs> um, we wait for the All Star All Star game, and then and then they and then they fail us, and then they then our, they break our hearts. Um, <laughs> I am hopeful with the new owner and. Uh, he's, he seems to, uh, they, they had such messy ownership. Um, but, um, you know, w- there's like one of our friends is a Yankee fan. So he considers the Mets a minor league baseball team, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, pretty hopeful this year, but we, we're, we've been disappointed before.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you this, um, would you like to meet the Yankees in the World Series, or is that something you'd rather not have
0: happen? <laughs> well, I um, it happened two thousand one, and it was disappointing. Or, or I forget which year that was back then. But uh, um, it, I, I just assume not because losing to them hurts. <laughs> so let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah. Well,
1: let's we'll hope for a, a Minnesota Twins versus New York Mets World Series yes. this year because that's, yes. that's the team I'm rooting
0: for. I was a Tony Oliva fan growing okay. up, um, and 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 uh, you know one of the great one of the things in the book and Koufax has makes an appearance in the novel as well is is, is back then with the Mets being uh, you know seven eight years old and the Dodgers having left there were a lot of Dodger fans in New York and that, that's that's '66. When when Koufax pitched against the, the Twins in Game Seven and all, just couldn't draw a curveball, that was one of the great games of of uh, history. But yeah, no, I I, I was always a big uh, Minnesota fan for Harmon Killebrew and you know, Tony Oliva and, and Rod Carew and, and those guys.
1: Well, that was a little before my time, but we, yeah, we never definitely. do stop hearing about the greats of old, especially yeah. Harman Killebrew around here.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, they were exciting growing up with those. You know, the Mets was so bad until nineteen sixty nine that we, we all kind of rooted, for, you know, find these other teams to latch sure. onto for for fun. So that's how I remember all those guys. I had a Tony Oliva baseball glove. <laughs> oh wow.
1: well, Elon, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the the podcast. Congratulations on your novel Escape Route and and all the work that you're doing as a writer.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, go Twins. <laughs>